0: Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the IR Weekly Podcast here from the Illinois Realtors. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and uh, yesterday was a big day, everyone. It was election time here in Illinois, the primaries for the Democratic and Republican parties, um, and I, I would love to talk about it myself, but I am not nearly as good of an expert as the four people we have here today. Um, a packed panel to give you all the information you need to know about all of the elections yesterday or some of the ones that we want to highlight. So, Without further ado, though, let's get some of these uh, people in here. The A-team when we're talking about politics here at Illinois Realtors. First off, uh, the senior VP of governmental affairs, Mr. Greg St. Aubin, the legend himself. Greg, what's up? Glad to be here. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, the tenor is going to be very fun today, guys. Well, we're here. Um, also joining us today, the manager of state government affairs, Mister Jim Clayton, also uh, Illinois Realtor spokesmodel, right? I think we've decided that.
1: I've somehow coined that, but yes, that wasn't my choice.
0: <laughs> oh, come on now, you, you you do it admirably. Also here in the studio with us, the senior advisor on the government affairs team, Miss Betsy Mitchell. What is up, Betsy?
2: Hey there. I'm getting rested. (laughs) Getting rested.
0: Yeah, it was a very long night. Um, So that's in the studio, but we also have joining us via the magic of Zoom over the interwebs here, uh, Gideon Bluestein, the Senior Director of Local Government and External Affairs. Gideon, how are things up in Chicago?
3: Great. I'm just hoping none of you have to see my dark... Dark circles under the (laughs) eyes. Yes.
0: As you can tell, folks, uh, they did not get much sleep last night, uh, did you, Greg? So um, why don't you start us out here, Greg, on this election coverage podcast. Um, Give us this big picture look at things of what went down last night in the primaries.
4: Well, thanks, Jeremy. And hello, realtors out there. And sorry for that lackluster greeting. We all had (laughs) uh, a late night and an early morning uh, this morning. But... um, You know, we had a lot better night than a lot of candidates out there, unfortunately. But there were some bright spots as well. And um, I think we were going to start out kind of going around before we get into the weeds on on, uh, some of our involvement. uh, Just go around the table and give our one or two word uh, things that jumped out at us from the election. And for me, um, I would say low turnout. Huge, huge factor. It always is in the primary, but I, I think it was particularly with the, the timing of the election, kind of this first ever June uh, primary that resulted from them being late with the uh, census numbers, which delayed the maps, pushed everything back, uh, really affected things, and particularly turnout. You know, you get, a, you get an election when people are on summer vacations and the Tuesday before the 4th of July. Uh, come on, what did we expect, right? Absolutely. Jim,
0: Well, what, uh, what big takeaways did you take from last night?
1: Uh, surprisingly, I thought that more incumbent, incumbents would be successful mm. than they were. Um, I thought it was a bad night for incumbents, and that uh, surprised me a little bit. We did have some knowledge that some would be in trouble or we're going to be closer than we thought, but uh, some of those races turned out not to be close at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Betsy, what about you?
2: Oh, definitely the gap between conservatives and liberals is much wider now. Much wider than it ever has been before, which will mean during general election day, um, you'll have a much more clear choice. <laughs> you'll definitely know where somebody stands, I would think.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Gideon, what about you? I just, I think I was struck by what a tough slog this entire election cycle was. I mean, all campaigns are a lot of work, they're not a walk in the park, but from gathering signatures in You know freezing weather while it's snowing and there's two feet of snow on the ground to um you know like a two-week window between between when the ballot was finalized and early voting started i just think you know campaigns candidates uh i would be very surprised if we didn't see uh a change in the schedule uh, of how these are in the future
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, as you can see, there is not much to talk about, everyone, but um, that is, of course, a big lie. But um, all right, so we are going to uh, get into a little bit more um, uh, specific things here. But uh, Greg, I do know that you had some pretty big points that you wanted to get right out of the way here um, when it comes to our election coverage. So uh, why don't you take us away there?
4: Thanks, Jeremy. And we th- I thought it would just be helpful to kind of put things in perspective to, um, you know, give the realtors out there an idea of what our starting point was heading into this election cycle. Uh, Yesterday, of course, was the primary election where the Republicans and Democrats uh, parties each pick their nominees that will, as Betsy said, face off against each other in the November general election. So no seats actually changed hands uh, yesterday. This is just the setup for the fall. But it was a huge election day, as you said, Jeremy, for several reasons. Uh, first, it's uh, this is a was a, is a once in a decade election year with all of our congressional delegation up for election. All of our statewide officers up, all and all of the 177 members of the state House and Senate, all were up for election. Uh, they do that every 10 years after they do the remap pursuant to uh, the changes in population that they derive from the sentence census and they do that so that all of the districts remain uh, relatively equal and uh, so you had legislators out there um, running in newly drawn districts some of the legislators had up to 50 60 percent of new area which was Mm. another wild card that you get uh, every 10 years Uh, so we had all of those uh, uh, races at the state level going on and then a number of local races as well mainly county board races and a uh, few ballot questions
0: yeah so that's <laughs> i it blows my mind that it's just like every seat is up for grabs, and so it's like, this is the year you wanna get involved, guys, because uh, everybody literally has some stake in the game here. But, um, so Greg, do you do have some uh, general observations uh, before we get into the specific outcomes that we wanna talk about?
4: Yes, and I mentioned the statewide officers were all up, uh, most notably the governor's office, and we can talk about that a little bit more in a second because it was a very key race. Mm. But although that's a big race, RPAC stayed out of it for a few reasons. Uh, first of all our big issues our wins and losses really occur in the legislature not in the administration obviously we deal with the administration on regulatory issues that sort of thing but really uh uh our our main advocacy is in the general assembly so we stick to we we devote our our rpac and independent expenditure resources there and then secondly with, of course, with billionaires, literally, funding the race on both sides, even if we committed what would be huge resources for our pack, it would have little impact uh, comparatively. Second, um, keep in mind, another thing to keep in mind as we headed, headed into this primary is the general fact that one of the peculiarities of our system is that most incumbents go completely unchallenged. Mm -hmm. So we think of the fact that all of these legislators were up for election, but in fact, in the Illinois House, 86 of the 118 House members, or 73%, had no primary contest at all, unchallenged. Mm -hmm. And in the Senate, 46 of the 59 or 78 percent had no contest whatsoever so as we put together our agenda and met with the trustees we were starting with an agenda of about one-fourth of the seats that actually had a primary election contest.
0: Gotcha. So that is that is kind of, it sounds unusual, doesn't it? It's just like all the seats are up, but like really only a quarter of them um, are actually contested. Um, and so before, that is a great setup for Gideon, who's going to take us through some of those. But before we do that, um, I did want to mention, though, that, of course, we stayed out of the governor's race in terms of our, our PAC dollars. But, um, you know, that is still, of course, the head officer, the head of executive of the state. So is there anything that anybody wants to say? particularly about with that race
4: yeah well and, and um it, it was a very impactful uh evening last night uh, with darren bailey uh resoundingly winning the republican nomination uh for governor and um As all of our mailboxes know, we were (laughs) were inundated with mailers. I I know I have a stack downstairs in my office, which is unbelievable of how much mail there was on both sides. And what was unusual with this race is that the Democratic Governors Association spent tens of millions of dollars backing Darren Bailey because they thought that being a, you know, extreme semi-extreme right-wing, Trump-oriented candidate. They thought he would be an easier candidate to contend with in the November election. So they hyped Darren Bailey as as opposed to uh, Mayor Irvin, who uh, was seen as a much more viable candidate uh, against Pritzker. And um, so I, I would say that that tactic worked. And, you know, the the very involved people on the conservative right really turned out, and in, in in a low turnout election, that makes all the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you you did mention um, Mayor Irvin there, and of course Jesse Sullivan was the other one yes, uh, in right, that race, sorry, and I believe right, Sullivan yeah. actually got second um, in that. But you're right, uh, Bailey. I think 57 uh, percent of the vote in the Republican primary there, so a pretty resounding uh, win. Uh, Therefore, and Betsy, uh, Jim Gideon, do you guys have anything else on the governor's race?
2: Well, I was just going to add, um, Greg alluded to this, but Governor Pritzker spent close to thirty five million against Bailey, and so he and he won. he prevailed uh, on that. and um and already we know that um, he doesn't have very much money. Bailey doesn't because he spent it all in the primary, of mm. course, as he should have probably. Um, also, Governor Pritzker's already out with a brand-new ad attacking Bailey. Very, you know, so it, it's it's going to show over these next 134 days that we have until November 8th that um, he's going to be hit hard by Pritzker. Absolutely. It's almost like he had it
0: ready.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Jim, sure he had a couple. <laughs> Jimmy, anything on the governor's race? Uh, yeah, I was um, just a little surprised with the number of ballots pulled on both sides. I mean, I think... Uh, for Pritzker ended up getting around 700,000 votes and Bailey got around 500,000. But if you combine the ballots and you add them all up, it was about 760,000 and only 10,000 difference between Mm -hmm. Democrat ballots that were pulled and Republican ballots that were pulled. And um, I I was a little surprised at the amount um, that went towards um, Bailey and those ballots. But at the same time, like Greg said, when you have all the difference in the world of one group, that that conservative kind of um, group showing up that's going to make the difference so
0: yeah absolutely giddy and anything on the governor's
4: race
1: i don't think i have anything of substance to add just you know you
3: you can't call them too early that's
4: (laughs) (laughs) and and one significant factor that that kind of comes out of all of this uh is that a lot of observers think that um a lot of the money that would have been there for uh Republican candidates, not just for the statewide offices, not just for the governor's race, if the chosen candidate, the 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 big money Republican players, were behind Irvin, mm. and uh, the leader McConkie, the Republican leader in the Senate, and Leader Durkin, the Republican leader in the House, were hopeful that uh, the big backers of Irvin would also get share some money in the legislative races and that they would benefit from that. With Bailey being the nominee, all that money just disappeared. Mm. And so that's gonna have a big impact on Republican state legislative races.
0: So, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a big well of money that's going to be drying up there. So, um, But we also uh, did, so we mentioned earlier, Greg, that uh, there was about a quarter of the seats that were actually competitive um, last night. So, uh, Gideon, why don't you take us through uh, which of these races did we, Illinois Realtors, RPAC, actually get involved in?
3: Uh, if, if I were to start somewhere, I would just say it's with regard to process. If there's a way to, to look at our approach, the, the word process just stands out to me. So in, in many cases, it starts very, very early in the election season, uh, even before uh, signatures for petitions to get on the ballot are being gathered. Conversations are being had. Uh, meetings are being had. And in most cases, I would say just about every case, the um, local government affairs directors and the local government affairs committees are screening candidates, sending out questionnaires, interviewing candidates, um, and then making recommendations to the Springfield team and the RPAC trustees about who they really think are the best overall candidates when it comes to home ownership, realtor issues, um, advocating for our industry. And then, in addition to that, the state house lobbying team just has amazing insight into how these races are shaping up. They talk to the lawmakers, they talk to non incumbent candidates. Who um, I know Greg's phone is always ringing off the hook. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> um,
3: and then the the political chiefs for each each caucus. I don't know if people will know this, but each caucus. So um, there's four caucuses. The Senate has the Republican and the Democratic caucus. The House has. Senate and, Dem- or I'm sorry, the Republican and Democratic Caucus, they each have sort of a political chief. And so those conversations are absolutely critical to sizing up what's going to happen. So after that process, the, the recommendations on RPAC uh, are made to the RPAC trustees and, and off we go.
0: Absolutely. And so, uh, Jim, actually, so we came out of the uh, May RPAC trustees primary election meeting, um, and there was really an unprecedented level of involvement that came from that. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, and that level involvement is 100% accredited to our members Mm. and their overwhelming commitment to RPAC. And we went into this election cycle with a very well-stocked RPAC fund. Mm. And um, in conjunction with our staff here, our Springfield team and the trustees, the trustees really laid out an ambitious campaign involvement program that made the realtors one of the biggest donors in starting off this election cycle. And we came out of that meeting with Close to a million in spending in our plan for the primaries.
0: Whoa, <laughs> that's so one million with uh, six zeros there, right? Is close, what you're talking close about? To it, yes. <laughs> that is a big number <laughs> um so and again but that's that's due to all of the illinois realtor members who want to get involved and want to be involved in this which is of course what we hope everybody is so um betsy before we talk about a couple of the specific races why don't you give us an idea of the level of involvement that we're talking about in these races and uh give us kind of a big picture on the outcome of what uh you know that big spending uh, accomplished for us
2: yes um and Continuing on pretty much what uh, Jimmy just said, um, the trustees allocated at least $10,000 or more in 43 of the state, House, and Senate races. Mm. So at least, Uh, you know, 43 people got at least $10,000. So that is a big chunk of those one-fourth of the races where there was a a contest, again, that that one-fourth group. And we're very happy to report that our candidates were victorious in 37 of those 43 races for a winning record of 86%. Yeah. So that's pretty good. We're pretty happy
1: about that. Yes. 86%. The, yep.
0: That is a high batting average, folks, um, yes. for all you baseball fans out there. Uh, but, Jim, do you have a little bit more on that?
1: Well, yeah, and to give you just a little bit of insight on our top top races, of those 43 races, we spend 20000 or more in 20 of those races mm. and 30000 or more in seven of those races. And clearly when we get into the races where we are doing high levels of spending, those are really the most contentious races, so they're more volatile and, of course, not a sure bet by any means. But we still achieved victory in four of the seven races we contributed 30000 or more for which is a winning record of 57%.
0: So we're, we're swimming in the high ponds here, and we still have a pretty good uh, pretty good percentage here, folks. Um, uh, so now with those stats in mind uh, in the big picture, uh, that is so helpful, but let's share with the members the story with some of our top-tier races. So uh, let's just go around the horn here, and uh, I'll let each of you share a story on a race or two um, that really stuck out to you. Uh, Greg, why don't we start with you um, over there. What, um, what races and everything stuck out to you?
4: I got to go with our longtime dear realtor friend uh, and colleague, Sam Yingling, mm. uh, who has been in the House uh, for a long time and just a key, key ally of ours on the Democratic side. A very independent guy, always um, raise, make sure he raises his own money and um really tried as much as possible to be independent from the madigan machine so that gave him the leeway of pulling away from the party line when we needed him and he's just one of those people that was always there to make a key point in committee always there to um, talk to other people on the floor about where the realtors were at on something Mm. just an invaluable asset so he chose to run for uh, the Senate seat that was being vacated by Melinda Bush, and uh, what happened there is Melinda uh, wanted a former uh, Representative Mary Edley Allen to uh, to succeed her in that, and so she backed Mary Edley Allen and had her local organization behind her. Um, Senator Bush got. Um, Senator Harmon leader harm I mean uh, President Harmon's team to back Edley Allen over uh, Sam Yingling which was very disappointing and uh, because Sam had been had gone against the Madigan machine um, when the initial group of of lawmakers got together and began the process to oust Speaker Madigan. Sam was one of those. Mm. So the unions were upset with him over that. So bottom line is the Senate Democrats were against him, although they did not overtly spend money. But several of the unions went all out against him. There were four unions that maxed out, which is about $60,000 each. Uh, They maxed out for Mary Edley Allen. Mm. Uh, against Sam, uh, the teachers union, uh, and some of the labor unions were uh, behind Edley Allen. So it was basically Sam, his organization, and us. <laughs> and he put up a hell of a fight. Uh, and uh, we were just so proud to be, uh, for that to be really um, one of our top, I would say it was either the top one or two races. Uh, unfortunately, he was not victorious, um, but you know, uh, we'd do that again in a heartbeat anytime. And it's still a victory, um, I think, for us in some ways because uh, it, it really demonstrated to people what we can do when we really rev up the realtor machine. We had everything going there. We had an independent expenditure, which Gideon will talk about in a few minutes, maximum RPAC money, uh, he was so impressed with our, with our mailers there, and we were consulting with him right up until a couple of days ago uh, when he was calling and, and strategizing with us right at the last minute. So, and, it, and it demonstrates to people that we stick up for our own and that we're loyal to our allies, and that serves us well going forward in the General Assembly, even though, unfortunately, Sam's not going to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the moral victory is what you take and you're right, a very hard fight. And we are of course, very, very proud of him. So, uh, Betsy, what stuck out to you a couple of races there?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, representative Curtis Tarver from the Hyde Park area, very much an unlikely hero of the defeat defeat of uh, rent control back in the day, Mm. uh, which we'll probably be facing again here most likely, uh, very soon. Um, but, um, he's, he's just a great guy that early on even before I was with the realtors uh, but working on rent control issues with Greg uh, we established a good working relationship with him he is very straightforward when he talks um, he um, you know and he really uh, had a in the beginning it looked a little iffy for him because he was facing a challenge from the left mm-hmm. within the Democratic Party and we have we saw other incumbents uh, did lose uh, to the, the left, um, but he is there for us. He hosted a uh, Let's Talk Real Estate, which was outstanding. Uh, many people attended that, um, hugely successful event, and um, he's there. Um, he's also there with us um, pretty much on the electric car um, Uh, charging station issue uh, where he has himself installed an electric car station uh, (laughs) charging station and uh, you know so he could refute some of the things that's being said by the Sierra Club and and others so uh, he kind of pops up where we don't always expect him to pop up to be a (laughs) support of us and so um, but always very open and honest and upfront so really um happy that we got in early with him and uh, supported him and and I'm sure we will continue to support him
0: yeah so you talked about the uh, let's talk real estate I was lucky enough to be up at that one yes. um, Greg you got to speak yeah. with him there very impressed with this guy um, you're right like and I think I remember him saying like you know we might not always come down on the same side but I will always hear you out I'll always talk it through with you and it's like that's And he does can you can you ask for any more of nope. an elected right. official um, that's really yeah. what you want and um,
2: just a real quick side note that's always Per, um very important to me is that personal side of them mm. he um is raising his daughter and he often uh well every week it, while they're down here in Springfield he goes home mm, yeah he he he's a commuter from Springfield to Chicago to be home with his daughter mm. and that just to me says a, an awful lot about somebody yeah
0: Indeed. absolutely i really like this guy <laughs> yes, me too me too
1: okay yes. uh, jimmy what about you um, I would say to, I mean, speaking of candidates or uh, legislators that will always hear you out, um, the senator that is in this district here where our, our building is, is Senator Steve McClure. Mm. Um, we've had a long relationship with him. Uh, he, he replaced uh, when Senator McCann um, resigned a few years ago and from day one, he's been um, willing to listen to us and he had what we thought would be a pretty tough uh, primary cause he was being challenged from the right and he's smack dab in the middle of the Trump right heartland where we saw Congressman Davis lose yeah, um, and Darren Bailey excel and prevail. Um, but Steve's an incredible hard worker. Um, we know he was working months ago, walking and, um, you know, back, being backed with not only our RPAC, but our independent expenditure program as well. Um, he was able to overcome those challenges and and surpassed his challenger on the right, and I believe he won with about 62% of the vote. Wow. And um, I know he attributes a lot of that, because Greg spoke with him today, as as I did as well, um, to us and our programs. But a lot of that has to go to his hard work, and that's just kind of who he is. Um, He's a hardworking, very no-nonsense kind of guy. I mean, he looks 13 years old, (laughs) but uh, he is a... He is a, yeah he looks 10 he is uh when his birthday uh happened in the general assembly last year during session um they stood up and said okay well go get your driver's license yeah <laughs> uh, but no he's a great guy and, and he's a wonderful representation of this area and we're thrilled that he's our senator in, in this in this building and uh we look forward to continuing working with him
0: yeah see some good news from last night everyone
3: gideon what about you well, you know, mine is uh, maybe not the greatest news, but with a silver lining, uh, candidate for Congress, U.S. House of Representatives, uh, Gil Viegas, uh, up in a newly drawn uh, sort of heavily Latino uh, congressional district. Um, you know, he's he's a young, he's up and coming, uh, progressive, uh, and we've worked with him before. Uh, great bio. He's a Marine. Uh, hard worker. He had been a teamster uh, delivery truck driver. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it just, it happens in primaries. He lost to his flank uh, on the left uh, from somebody that was uh, much further to the left. Um, but the, the silver lining that I mentioned is he's still a key alderman in the city of Chicago. He's somebody that we've worked with. He's somebody that we will continue to work with. And here we've had this uh, this federal election that we've been able to work with him on, where we've solidified that relationship. So looking forward to to many future years of working with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, starting to see a pattern from last night's um as the uh, the flanks were out. Um, so I know those weren't the only ones. Seconds, anyone? Come on, Greg, you got another one in there, right?
4: Omar Aquino. Got to mm-hmm. go with that. Senator Aquino have developed a, a very good friendship uh, with him as well. Another key Latino ally, and he was facing a tough primary. And this just illustrates um, just kind of how the Illinois realtors can move within different factions, both within parties and then move amongst the Republican and Democrat parties. We're one of the few groups of of the really big involved groups. Most of them are partisan one way or another. Mm. We are are a very bipartisan organization and uh, we're, one, like I said, one of the only really big groups that is bipartisan and that, that makes us special. That makes us really stand out uh, to legislators. But what's interesting here is uh, Aquino was a, a direct foe of Villegas, who <laughs> Gideon just talked about. Uh, they were running against each other for the committeeman post, and Villegas is who basically put up Aquino's primary opponent. But we were all the way behind Aquino. And again, we keep mentioning the, the. I'm stepping on your your story about the independent expenditures, Gideon, but <laughs> there we ran a great independent expenditure race. And uh, I, I gotta tell you, and uh, Sam Yingling, going back to him, he said that our independent expenditure pieces were the best male pieces he had seen in any race yet this year. There we go. Aquino called and he was. He said he was literally speechless when he saw our mail piece because our, and of course me, Betsy, Jim can't know what's going on on the independent expenditures. That has to be independent from the coordinated side of things, which is our PAC working with the candidates. So we didn't know what was going on out there. Well, he called and said, Greg, this mail piece touched me so deeply And I'm so grateful that you sent this. He said, I feel like uh, I'm going to frame this because the picture you chose of me um, with a group uh, includes my grandfather who just passed away last Mm -hmm. year. And it was a great picture of him. And it just goes to show you the impact that that uh, program has. But um, huge impact on candidate here again and uh he's going to be a he is definitely a key player in the in the democrat senate and uh will continue to be a key ally so big victory there
0: yeah absolutely betsy jim any other races you want to mention
4: uh sure i'll i'll
1: stay local like i did with the the senate race i mentioned um and also because he's uh, a personal friend um but representative tim butler was one that i was really interested in he's he's my representative at, at where i live and um just a good a good friend of the realtors and he was being challenged by uh, an opponent here that has a strong last name in politics in springfield um it's, it's kind of a known last name so there was some concern and you know we were able to um go behind get behind tim butler early um and he's the type of realtor champion that greg and i were just mentioning earlier during that special session in may of 2020 they wouldn't let people testify in committee mm. and so and due to that, we had a position paper that we had emailed him. And instead of having a hard copy, he stood up on the executive committee floor with his laptop and read out our position paper. Wow. And even stated, since the realtors can't uh, testify here today, I'll read their position paper. So he's that type of uh, champion for us in our industry and um, always a guy we can call. Once again, he's a representative of this, of this building. Um, so that was one I was very interested in, on, not only personal level, but professional as well. And, and one that I really wanted to <laughs> to win, and he did. So... Awesome, Betsy?
2: Uh, That would be probably uh, State Senator Severson, Dave Severson from the Rockford area. Uh, I'm glad to see that the uh, local association up there really came out strong for him. Mm. He came to us early on saying, I have a very, um, it looks like a challenging opponent, someone who is very well known in the Rockford area. And um, again, just like uh, the others, Dave is always there for the realtors, will listen to our side, and, uh, you know, you can always see his mind, you literally see his mind kind of working through it, and, uh, you know, uh, sometimes then he'll come back with, you know, some challenging questions to us, uh, and we we need to sometimes find the answers for him right away, but uh, he is always there for the realtors, so very happy that he prevailed. Uh, Again, a Republican senator, uh, and uh, glad to see him coming back.
4: Longtime ally, and boy, he loves those local realtors. (laughs) He does, he
2: does, and he knows them, he knows
4: them.
0: Oh, there's power there, folks. Uh, well, uh, we did mention the uh, independent expenditures program, and I'm uh, just a little curious about that. Uh, so, Gideon, can you tell us a little bit more about that program in particular?
3: Well, I, th- I think Greg did a really effective job of explaining uh, just what an independent expenditure is. It's, you know, the the name sort of conveys it's independent. You you are not allowed to coordinate with the campaigns, uh, with our PAC. Um, so it's, you know, if, if anybody out there was like, where are Gideon go, uh, the last couple of months, <laughs> that's because, uh, we were working on those independent expenditures and, um, you know, basically going into it. And I'm going to kind of mirror what, what, what Jimmy had mentioned earlier, the independent expenditures are above and beyond. You're really working on the margins here and focusing on those races that are the most competitive. And so um, what it what it manifests as is you're, you're running an independent campaign, in many cases that's mail because mail is a nice tangible uh, asset that can be sent out to voters. But then we also supplemented this year with uh, digital ads in many of the races. So um, we also started very early on looking at which races we wanted to target, where we thought we had the most opportunities for success, where People who were realtor champions needed uh, that extra level of support, and we started with some polling. And so, what we found, just doing sort of a post-election analysis, what we found was that those races they were on the cusp. Uh, but you know, really, we found that our uh, independent expenditures were doing what they were intended to do, which was moving undecided voters to the decided category. And I'll give you just one example of, uh, I think it was, was it Jimmy that talked about McClure? Um, the uh, race there for uh, Senator Steve McClure, when we had pulled uh, way back uh, when, he started at about 40% in terms of a reelect, and uh, the poll had him coming in after we message tested. So we basically did a, a positive message, asked the voter after hearing that message you know, where are you at after hearing that message? And he jumped up to 60s in terms of an approval. So we took 43% of those undecided voters, and we were able to move them uh, to McClure's uh, camp. The other one that I'll mention, which uh, Betsy had talked about earlier, was uh, Curtis Tarver. Uh, Originally in our polling, he uh, he was actually underwater. He was under 50% and there was a huge amount of undecided voters in that race and i think it demonstrates that uh his strong campaign but also the supplemental efforts of our independent expenditure were able to help move those undecided voters very decisively towards uh curtis tarver on election day
4: gideon thank you so much for those really concrete examples of the impact that those independent expenditures has i mean we're basically running a a And like you said, an independent campaign, just like the candidate is kind of side by side Mm. with them. And we're getting really good at it. You know, when we first started out with this program, we were, uh, Illinois was really one of the pilot states when NAR started this program. And we kind of learned as we went. Mm -hmm. uh, And it wasn't perfect every time to start out with. But we're getting more and more sophisticated and getting feedback now from candidates that, are really impressed with what we're doing. And uh, Gideon and the team just do a great job. And the vendor we have, uh, one of the candidates told me, whoever, whatever vendor you're using, hang on to them. <laughs> so great job with that, Gideon. And um, and just for the members, uh, that is not funded with RPAC money, of course. That is funded with separate uh, non-RPAC advocacy dollars. And Gideon, give, give us an idea of what we spent Uh, on independent expenditures in the primary?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So even though it's independent of our PAC, it does still uh, go through an approval process from members. So the pitch is made to those members uh, and then uh, they have oversight on that. But in terms of what the spend was on the state legislative races, um, we had a total expenditure of approximately 585,000 on the local races, we had approximately 70,000 total dollars spent. And, um, if that seems like a stark contrast, uh, there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, primary reason though, is that you've just got smaller districts when you're dealing with local races, Mm. oftentimes.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And so that, um, just to put it in perspective, that puts our total political spending for the primary at around one.6 one point seven million, $1.7 which is really impressive.
0: Yeah. I mean, just the number itself and then also the success rate. <laughs> so those those dollars are impactful, um, which is what you really want there. So uh, Gideon, I'm going to keep the mic on you, though. Uh, so do you want to give us a quick rundown of what happened uh, regarding the congressional delegation in the primaries yesterday?
3: Yeah. You know, I... I I would ask Greg to back me up on this, but I think this was an unprecedented level of involvement in congressional races, uh, this election cycle. And, and we had some good outcomes. I already talked about uh, Gil Villegas, which was uh, again, I'm going to couch that as a silver lining outcome. Um, But a couple of other key races I wanted to mention. Uh, One is we had a member of the realtor, Mm -hmm. Leadership team, uh, immediate past president of the Chicago Association of Realtors, Nakia Pippian McGriff, who threw her hat in the ring in a heavily, heavily contested congressional (laughs) primary in Illinois' first congressional district. I think
0: only about, like, what, uh, 50 people running for this? Yeah, 50, 60, 70.
3: (laughs) Um, I mean, look, ultimately, here's a person with a business background, has not run for office, throws her hat in the ring and just really gives her all. And uh, she's going up against Alderman. She's going up against the the ultimate winner of that contest was the son of Jesse, uh, uh, um,
4: of the Reverend Jackson Jackson. from the Rainbow
3: Push Coalition. Uh, I mean, huge political heavy hitters, and she's right out there. Um, So ultimately she didn't prevail, but I think it's a great example of realtor involvement, realtors stepping up to uh, put their name on the line for our advocacy efforts. And uh, the realtors uh, got involved there, uh, both with RPAC support, and then what we call opportunity races. An opportunity race is direct communications with members. So it's a little different from an independent expenditure, but it's mail, it's digital, it's it's digital streaming ads. Um, So Nakia was a race where we got involved in that. I'm going to mention a couple of others uh, that we were successful on. One was Congressman Danny Davis uh, had a big, big challenge from his left flank, Mm. uh, longtime congressperson, uh, and we did an opportunity race there with the help of the National Association of Realtors, and ultimately Congressman Danny Davis prevailed. The other one I want to mention, which was a very closely watched race, was – Sean Kasten, uh, and that was uh, Sean Kasten versus Marie Newman. Uh, this was a newly drawn district where you had two congressional incumbents facing off against one another, like they were both running for the first time. And we supported uh, Congressman Kasten, uh, again, with RPAC and uh, opportunity race, and he ultimately prevailed uh, over his opponent And one last shout out on the congressional races that I've got to give is to our federal political contact teams, our FPCs. Uh, Many of you know who they are. uh, And if you're listening, you know who you are. And the work that you do to build those relationships where you're able to text, uh, where you're able to quickly get a member of the US House of Representatives on their mobile phone is unprecedented. And I will tell you, it's the envy of uh just about every other um advocacy organization out there
0: yeah absolutely well there was uh you know i don't know if we want to but i think probably the most surprising uh result yesterday was probably the defeat of incumbent Rodney Davis, uh, in the congressional district. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the 15th district now is where correct. he was running, um, to Mary Miller, a very highly public race. Um, lots of national influences on this one. Uh, do we want to, any go around the table here? Anybody want to talk about this race uh, at all and what it might mean?
4: Yeah. Rodney Davis, um, great friend, uh, of the realtors, uh, in Washington and, um, j- just a, an excellent, um, congressional representative he just very close ties with the local realtors and just it just a real solid member of the community uh, in general just a, a re- really um, too bad to lose such a good friend and ally and it just goes to show you the um, you know that uh, Trump wing is is still very much alive and well you saw it in both the Bailey uh, race and in this one and um, last weekend uh, Trump came in for Mary Miller and Mm -hmm. um, you know uh, when I heard that Trump was coming in for her that 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 really made me nervous uh, for Rodney he ran a great race but you know um, again in that low turnout primary those are very motivated voters and um, if they turn out in strength it's really hard to prevail over that in a low turnout race
0: yeah, Jimmy, Betsy, anything on this
4: race?
2: Well, it is um, sad that Rodney uh, lost. Uh, I also know the FPC there uh, was able to always text him, and within seconds would get a response back from him. But more importantly for the realtors uh, nationally, um, he was there. He was uh, scheduled to be a chairman of a major committee mm. uh, in Congress. Uh, that won't happen now, and Mary won't be getting anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we lost uh, lost something there big time. and. Um, you know, we'll we'll see where that goes, but um, you know, the the big question is kind of what does Mary stand for out there? Mm. Uh, we don't know if she's going to be a, a big ally to to realtors, uh, so have to be getting to know her. Yeah. Yes,
0: absolutely,
1: Jimmy. Uh, just piggyback off Betsy. It's just the unknown. Um, you know, we knew exactly where we were with Rodney and where, you know, he'd be on our our issues, and he was always very open. Um, that was the first congressman I ever met. <laughs> um, was, was Rodney Davis and it was like he, he knew me for 20 years from the first time I was in his office and we'll miss him a lot uh, but as Betsy and I talked earlier uh, Mary Miller was at every single event possible even if it was small town Republican event and with her new district really spanning to the west central part of Illinois mm-hmm. um, I, I knew we kind of knew that it was going to be a challenge for Rodney if not kind of an uphill battle so we'll, we'll miss him greatly though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you might be one of the first ones i met too. Yeah, I have some family friends that are friends with him. And yeah, just a stand-up guy. Um, and It'll be
2: interesting to see where he turns up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, hopefully he's not done. <laughs> uh, well, or,
2: or anything, because I think the world is his now. And, um, you know, he could probably go into anything he'd like to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Gideon, uh, coming back to you, we did get involved in some local races and a couple of uh, referenda campaigns. Uh, do you want to call out anything of noteworthy there?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as was mentioned, our local government affairs directors are fanned out across the state and they've got those wonderful on the ground connections with local elected officials. This primary election was focused on county uh, elections at the local level. So that's county board, countywide offices. And um, we had great success uh, in many of these races. So, a couple of aspects I want to highlight. Uh, are Cook County and Will County. And the reason I wanna highlight those are, uh, we, this election cycle, this primary, really took a um, sort of a countywide approach to trying to build what I, uh, what I would like to call sort of a real-term majority. Hmm. So can we get in these races to make sure that regardless of party, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, at the end of the day, when important issues for home ownership come before you, are we gonna have a real-term majority there to support those issues? So uh, we did this with some great success in Will County, uh, also Cook County, uh, for the first time in recent history that I can think of, we had a coordinated strategy to help uh, build those relationships. A couple of of races that I'll mention, one that I think probably people weren't really thinking was even gonna be close, but it ended up being a little bit close, was incumbent uh, County Board Commissioner in District Two, Dennis Deer, who our local government affairs director, Adrian Morofsky, has just built a wonderful relationship with. He won with 55%. Uh, Again, uh, Frank Aguilar, similar situation, incumbent, built a great relationship with Adrian uh, in Cook County Board District 16, uh, won with 54. And then uh, Sean Morrison, Uh, the lone republican on the county board uh great realtor champion uh one with 57 percent. so we had some good success there uh and i feel a lot of momentum going into the general election one two two other races that i want to mention one is uh one where we actually did a lot of homework and ended up strategically deciding to stay neutral and that was in the county board Cook County board district nine. And I can't believe how many phone calls, how many hours, how many, how much research was done on each of the candidates in this race. And ultimately we decided, look, you know, we've got friends on both, uh, both the Republican ticket and the democratic ticket. Um, We're gonna stay neutral and see how things shake out. And again, talking about that momentum for the fall, you know, uh, I think I think that was the right decision for our members to have recommended. Um, And then finally, another notable where we didn't take a position was the Cook County Assessor. So for, you know, vast number of our members up in the Cook County region, uh, the Cook County Assessor has a huge role in how uh, property taxes are calculated. And uh, the incumbent uh, had a very strong challenge. Our take on this was, you know, let's provide information about both candidates out to as many realtors as possible, and let them decide. And ultimately, Fritz Kage, who is the incumbent, uh, prevailed uh, with 53 percent of the vote.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for that update on those local races. So um, as we begin to wrap up here, uh, this has been incredibly informative for me. Uh, I hope that our members have found the same here. Um, But now, of course, uh, our final topic here, the board is set. Uh, the players are on the field, so to speak. Um, let's talk just really briefly here about the general election coming up in November. Um, what should our realtor members know? Let's open it up to the whole table here. Uh, Greg, why don't you start us off here? What uh, What would you want realtors to know firsthand as we head into the general?
4: Well, uh, thanks for, uh, for spearheading this, Jeremy. And just before we head into that, let me just um, give a shout out to all of our local gads out there. Mm. Um, just a critical part of our whole political organization here it really enables us to structure our political operation like you know the political parties do we've yeah. got we've got a built-in field operation very few other groups have that the only the unions are the only other you know kind of model like that and you know the information flow from local to state and state to local just makes us a very powerful uh, political organization with a lot of political intelligence. So huge shout out to the GADs. And then, um, you know, to the members, just you've we say it all the time, vote, act, invest. It is so (laughs) important. And thank you so much for your, I mean, the spirit and culture of ArcPAC giving now is so incredible and allows us to do what we did coming into this primary election cycle. And I'll tell you what, the realtors are on everyone's mind when it comes to politics. They, When they got done uh, at this historically early time, uh, the first week in April, it was kind of quiet that next week, but that following Monday, our phones, all of us, <laughs> me, Jimmy, Betsy, and I'm sure the local gads, our phones literally just lit up. Every candidate, every legislator, beat a path to the realtors door because they know that we are an essential player, uh, in politics and that's because of you. So keep it up. Absolutely. Jimmy. Um, yeah, just piggyback off Greg
1: again, uh, the involvement. Um, and I think it starts really at a local level as Gideon mentioned, um, the process, you know, that stands out the most and being involved at that local level puts you in part of that process. And, um, I think doing that, you'll get a better glimpse into, not only how we operate, but the strength of our advocacy and how involved our members are. And, you know, to just have them keep it up, vote, act, invest, you know, show up in November and make sure that realtor champions are in the front of your mind. Yep, absolutely. Betsy, what about you?
2: Well, realtors continue to be the leaders you are in your community. I know uh, realtors in Champaign were getting phone calls um, to say, who should I vote for? I don't really know some of these candidates. Uh, This is, yeah, this election has come up on me. I wasn't paying attention. And so, you know, they know that realtors know. So they were calling other realtors and I think that that really says a lot about that they know realtors are the leaders and continue on, please. I got that Mm -hmm. same
1: phone call from my mom though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She's gonna kill you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gideon, what about you? Any final thoughts before the general election in November?
3: Just step up, get involved. Uh, Even if it's, you know, just to spend a few minutes, the thing we ask all realtors to do is vote, act, invest. And so it's vote in all the elections. As Betsy mentioned, you can call us and let us know uh, if you have questions. Take action. So make sure you text realtor to the number 30644 and then invest in the Realtors Political Action Committee. If this doesn't convince you of the reach and the influence and the power that comes from your involvement, I don't know what will. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so as they say decisions are made by those who show up right so um make sure that you show up in november and that you get there uh greg real quick if anybody wants to get more involved online at our website where can people go uh to get more involved with rpac or jimmy or betsy or anyone
1: <laughs> uh well uh, at the LNR Realtors.org, if you scroll under our advocacy tab there you go you, you can get involved with the rpma you can get involved with rpac you can invest there Arpacnow.org. Um, yeah Arpacnow.org. Yeah, <laughs> or be just how you call get, jimmy just call, call jim yeah no.
2: <laughs> all all of you just calling that's what yeah. i
1: tell everybody yeah. just call jimmy <laughs> funny thing is my cell phone on my business card is actually gideon's
2: so. oh well there you go <laughs>
1: That
0: explains it, guys. Um, uh, Betsy, Jim, Greg, Gideon, uh, thank you so much for doing this special edition of the Our Weekly Podcast here. Election coverage, I'm sure we'll be back again come November. Um, There's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. But uh, once again, just thank you guys for being here today.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And
0: as always, everyone, if you want to know more uh, from the IR Weekly podcast, you can go to IllinoisRealtors.org or search for Illinois Realtors on your podcast app of choice. We will see you next week.